Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Five, six, six seven, seven, eight. Hi, Hi everybody. everybody. Da, 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 da. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm going to keep all of this. Welcome to Broadway Breakdown. Uh, this is both of your hosts, <laughs> Matt Koplik and... John Wiscavage. Yeah, it's John Wiscavage. John Savage. am I right? That is what they call me in two circles. Yes. Uh, both. I don't know what those circles. I do know what those circles are, but I'm not allowed to legally say them. No. When is um? No, if you're not allowed to legally say them, then I don't know. I'm not allowed to legally say them, but let me say them anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. The John Miscavige story. Uh, yeah. Welcome back to us. Uh, last week we had Caitlin Frank on Obsession <laughs> which, in the Secret Which I us. also feel like is a great thing for us to remind ourselves yeah. to welcome. Welcome back to us. Welcome back to us. It sounds like a beautiful mantra for someone in rehab, mm-hmm. for someone um, kind of like Marie Kondoing their life. Just welcome yeah. back to you. I feel like welcome that's, back to us. I feel like that's the finale of some like new musical. It's all about like self love. Uh, yeah. Totally. Sort of like light and next normal, but it's welcome back to us. Yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was picturing. I was exactly, exactly, exactly. <gasps> it's gonna be one of those shows. That well, everybody. exactly. Well, um, if, if I were being like exactly myself, um, <laughs> we came up with a new word. Everybody I was thinking exactly. <laughs> Stop it. Of light from next to normal mm-hmm. was the, the the whole. You know, kind of my life is just one ongoing um, detour to get to the main road. You know what I mean? <laughs> I easily could have that easily could have been a three word sentence, mm. and instead I turned it into a monologue. How are you today? I'm, well, I was about to say, I'm assuming you've watched BoJack Horseman, right? Have we discussed this? So fun fact, in general, it's like in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the first couple seasons and I loved it, and then it started getting really sad, and then I was really sad. Yeah. <laughs> depression yeah it's not just for the happy anymore <laughs> okay and and yeah and so i stopped watching it because i loved it so much but it was it was making me feel really depressed i, I felt um my midlife crisis mm-hmm. coming on i feel that you know what i mean i mean you are like 
you are past the halfway point of your life. And I'm quite equestrian. These these <laughs> these teeth, these teeth have bitten so many apples. She's hung like a horse, baby. Uh, no, I just I, the reason I thought of it was when you're like taking the long road to get to the point. Like, so many plot lines on BoJack Horseman are like basically just these really long winding roads to yeah. get to like the conclusion, and that's part of the fun. But this is how I thought of it for a second. I was like, that's true. It's like your way of thinking is basically like Todd's on BoJack Horseman. I I, I did often see myself in Todd. I found myself as. Uh, Todd and or Dr. Pickles? I have, Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut <laughs> Well, he's he's engaged to a dog named Pickles. That's it. Yeah. You are, I would say you are truthfully, in my mind, how I see you, you are a combination of Todd, Diane, and Bojack with like a little bit of Pickles' like social media following. I think I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Your actions are Todd, your depression is Bojack, and your like self-righteousness is Diane. Yeah. Yeah, I love it that so much. Um, How but, are you? You know, I'm grand. Uh, John, I'm just grand. Uh, I was trying to th- like rack my brain about any theater I had seen that we could talk about on my end. And I realized November is a big theater going month for me. Mm. I'm seeing uh, Jacket Little Pill in about three weeks. <gasps> oh, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, from it's supposed to be like the most woke musical of all time. So I'm just G-G. sure you're, I'm just sure you're going to like jizz every five minutes i hope so i mean fingers crossed uh yeah but i will be seeing something that you have seen and we'll be talking about shortly uh the inheritance um yes mostly i've just been like kind of uh looking through the internet for bits and pieces of news and men yes and news and men and news men men singing songs from the news newsies one would even say yeah i've been (laughs) looking for some newsies i live in washington high school they're around they pop up like weeds or herpes, whichever you prefer. Yeah. How are you? How I'm, how is how is John? Speaking of weed and herpes, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. How was I don't smoke weed. Uh, no, never. <laughs> uh, speaking of not smoking weed, how was opening night of Scotland PA? Did we not talk about this? Well, I have a fever. No, I guess we no. Didn't we did. We did talk about it last time. I cut it because. <laughs> Here's the no, here's why here's why no but we wouldn't have talked about opening no we, we didn't talk about, about opening about the show we, no you and I talked about the opening for a little you know, bit I but not on the something podcast. was missing John we recorded for an hour and a half last time we did and John tr- always asks me to make our episodes as short as possible yeah and I think I got it down to like an hour and. 10 minutes maybe i don't know yeah but, no you you, and, did, you did a great job of thank it thank you but so i was like i can either cut like john's health journey or i can no cut cares. the bit about scotland pa and i chose scotland pa because i figured when we next recorded we could talk about opening and you could do like a little you know i was gonna say snapchat but that's not the right word a little a little a little <laughs> just like a review yeah um, i've spelled we can review, re- of, review your, of your review of r-e-v-u-e yeah is that, is that how you spell it i can fun fact about me i'm awful at spelling words out loud mm-hmm. I'm, well i'm awful at spelling period but if you that song used to go i am a ch wait you're a jew right we're yeah. going through this i am a ch so you might not know this but it's like i am a chrestian and i have chrest in my h e r h e a r t and i it's this whole christian song about spelling <laughs> And I was the worst. That's why I'm gay. Oh, yeah. It's because I could not get through the song because every- everyone would be spelling all these words and I would go, I like, had no idea. I can't get through the song. I'm just going to be gay. I, truly. I, I I was like, oh, spelling heart? That's too hard. Going to go for anal. Um, <clears throat> so. <laughs> hey. If God strike me dead if I'm lying. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you feel? 
top. You're a Coolidge dollar. So you got to experience a lovely opening night. Probably not your first, I would assume, knowing you. My first opening night? Yeah. No. I just, I I figured, but like, getting to do the red carpet and all that good stuff. How dare you? I don't know. Um, Yeah, well, the thing is, I actually really didn't get to do the red carpet that much because I had to, um, I was like the parrot wrangler. Oh. And that was totally okay. I totally felt that that was my journey and I opted to do that too just because um Adam had his parents in he had his aunt and uncle in from Boston he had a lot it, um, it's it's a lot of leeches it's, there it, yeah it's it was his night and I just wanted to make sure that like if he was like hey can you go take care of my parents I was like I'm gonna go take care of mm-hmm. his parents who are like you know yeah, yeah yeah we we did some press you know how it goes mm-hmm. but the the main like it was just a really great night the performances were fantastic the crowd was really receptive and one of the really awesome moments that i hope um until dementia takes my mind 2 years from now that i can remember for a while is uh Adam and the book writer Michael Mitnick and Lonnie Price, who directed it, the moment they all found out that they got New York's critic pick, Aww. which they found out at the opening night party, and that was really sweet. And it's just like, watch, I have a picture of the three of them crying on my phone. <laughs> I don't know why, but my immediate response is like, oh, I gotta get a picture of these bitches crying. Uh, and yeah. so. Um, it, but like it's really cool like you're actually so right on that little pile of stuff over there because Adam hasn't cleared up his opening night gifts um, there's a little like folio mm-hmm. and inside there is a photocopy of um, Sondheim's handwritten version of Franklin Shepard Inc. from Merrily god damn um, yeah it, it was really it was actually just like a really cool week too because Michael Mitnick the book writer also wrote a movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland that came out that week called The Current War so we also went to like that is the Michael war Mitnick- like a war in my pants it's about um, yeah no it's about uh, Thomas Edison and okay. kind of, yeah and it's it's really and it was really, really awesome. Go see it. Um, but it also, t- Michael got married that week. So that whole week was just this whole celebration of just, mm-hmm. you know, marriage, movies, theater. But Scott, Scotland is fantastic. It's weird because you did cut it. So I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm not. Re- I You're actually not. haven't talked yeah. about the show. You haven't. It's fantastic. It's Listen, so, it's until, so funny. Listen, until Adam Guan answers my text messages, I'm cutting anything on this podcast related to him. Hey, just- that's... That's fair. Yeah, he lost all of his all of his followers. Or no, he lost. He did lose all of his followers and everyone that he follows on Twitter last year when his Twitter got hacked, and he regained his followers. But when that happens, you have to go back and manually refollow everyone. Oh, and Jesus. so he's hardly done that. But to this day, Alex Wise, I'll be like, "Hey, Adam and I were at Spo," and he'd be like, "I refuse to say that name out loud because he does not follow me on Twitter anymore." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, Th- yeah. this is the next feud." Yeah, I mean. If you don't think the gay men can't find receipts, I'm just we try- have all the receipts. I'm just trying to like sprinkle in. I know that you're such a, a message board person, so I'm trying to sprinkle in little crumbs for people in message boards to be like, "Is there a feud going on?" Oh yeah, were Alex Wise and Adam Guan and John in a throuple? Yes, yes, they were. It's and- all, all the facts are there. But Scotland was great. <laughs> Great. Scotland PA is fantastic. Just go see it. The songs are amazing. The performances are fantastic. I mean, it's so much fun. Like, I think before it, before it froze, people wanted to laugh a lot, but they were like, oh, it's Macbeth. And so we have to, but it's fucking Macbeth set basically in a McDonald's. How, yeah. Like how. And it's the if, 70s. If, like it's. Yeah. And instead of the three witches, it's three stoners. Yeah. So, so I, I think. 
I remember one of the f- first previews I watched before they froze it. I remember like seeing this one gay man just like looking at him, and he, I feel like he just wanted to like. He was sitting like right in front of me, and I felt like he was just like, like what, what, what is like, what is the like? I, he was just giving off that energy, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Sweetie, you're watching Macbeth and McDonald's. They're selling French fries during intermission. Go buy some. <laughs> Sit the fuck down." Did you just tell a gay man to eat starches? Yeah, please. Wow, um, that's homophobic. Yeah. Um, I want to, because I haven't seen anything lately, um, although I did see, I didn't get a chance to promote it earlier, I did see The Yiddish Fiddler a few weeks ago. Oh, I've been wanting to see it. It is fantastic. I recommend it to everyone. It closes in January. Yeah, I need to see before Um, it closes. Yeah, go see it. It's not even that, like, the Yiddish adds that much to it. I mean, there is some sense of, I don't know, it's like something chemical when you, when you hear the score and the script spoken in Yiddish and sung in Yiddish. Uh, Mm. So, like, you can't really explain what it is that makes it. So moving, but it's not even that. It's just that it's just a really well done production of Fiddler. Yeah. Um, like I found the last production to be well meaning, but very cold and very austere. Yeah. Um, and very you know lacking in energy and warmth. And Completely. this production has that in spades. It's just so it's so energetic and moving and funny. Like mm. Fiddler's a funny show, and it yeah. has to be because it's three hours long. Exactly. Um, and like they they make that work. I mean. It's an off-Broadway production, so like clearly there are some things they can't do. Like they, they you know there's some scene transitions that you're like, okay, clearly there's no backstage, so and like yeah. there's no way to like there's no um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hydraulics? We're like yeah, 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 yeah. There's none of that. So like some scene transitions are a little sloppy, but like the overall effect is fantastic. So mm. I just, that's a big recommendation. But that's not what I wanted to get to. I want to talk for a little bit because you know that John's got opinions about this. Uh. There was a casting announcement for Company. Um, Phone rings, door chimes, in comes white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did announce ninety-five percent of the cast. There's one person left that's being that has to be announced. Uh, the role of Sarah, I think. Uh, oh. Yeah, but so it's a lot of overall very talented people. But yes, yes. extremely and majority white. Which, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um. I have always been like, if the right person is cast for it, if the white person is cast for it, if the mm-hmm. right person is cast for the role, like, I truly don't care about ethnicity, although I do think representation matters. That said, no tea, no shade. There are some people in this announcement who I was like, were they truly the best person for that role? Same. Um, like, I see... Jennifer Samard's announcement. I'm like, absolutely 100% mm-hmm. keep her because yep. she's just so interesting and different. Same thing with like yeah. Christopher Fitzgerald. Like, those are people who are so very unique. Mm-hmm. There are about four people who are announced in this cast, very talented people, and I'm sure very nice people. I won't mm-hmm. say their names, but I saw their names and I went, okay, little boring. And like, you can't, and like, you can't, and like, if we're going to go for boring, like, do not tell me that there weren't four other people of every different. Color, creed, and what have you that weren't just as boring and talented. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is where I'm at with that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, completely same. Um, some, once again, I'm, I'm not here to trash talk people. We all, no. we all, we all have our own journeys and our own strengths and our own take on humanity and how we feel like we should perform. But there are some people that I have seen in previous years that. I'm sure we're talking about probably the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was like, 
I, I saw them either in like regional productions or yada, 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 yada. And I was just like, wow, what an incredibly boring but attractive person. Yeah. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, well, like, I, what? Feel like John, I feel like that John and I usually take this podcast as an opportunity to trash really hot people. And partly they need it. They do need it. And, like, and believe me, I'm about to get on that and a whole other high horse in a second. I, I look forward to that. And like when John and I are like solid eight, 8.5s out of 10s. So we we come for nines and tens out of tens a lot because we need to. Yeah. It's like, our way of feeling better about ourselves. But we're talking about like Altoona, Pennsylvania, 8.5s, <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, I would say in like six months ago, maybe, but right now I'm feeling very much like a New York City 8.5. Oh, there um, she is. There she is. She's wearing a baseball cap and flannel. Mm-hmm. She's mask, mask for mask, mask baby. Oh my God. Um, She's no. not just a hole anymore. She's a hole with <laughs> eyes. I hate you so much. I don't know why eyes. To, to eyes. See, to see the future. Yeah, right. I see. Because I see. I see you. Um uh, the other thing I wanted to say about it, this casting and, and on both ends of the spectrum, because I bring up message boards because everybody's favorite hot garbage fire message board, Broadway World, had a lot of opinions about this. Um, there, So, like, somebody posted. I do like imagining the message boards of Broadway World as literally the set of cats, but on fire. Oh, I look at it as, like, I look at it as literally the bad place, you know, on the good, on the good place from, like, Janet, like, can you give us a, vi- like, uh, what the good, bad place looks Sounds like? Sounds right now. And, like, and then she goes, ah! Yeah. Yeah, that's how I imagine Broadway World, truly. Um, Same. Uh, well, because it's, it's a it's hodge, it's a hodgepodge, truly, of... There are a lot of people who I are. I see new, you're watching Drag Race UK. Are, oh, absolutely. Hodgepodge. That's the only Hodgepodge. <laughs> Hodgepodge. Um, we can get into Drag Race UK if you want, but that's not what this podcast is about. Um, well, never. No, but it's, but, um, it's a hodgepodge of like young people who don't really have fully formed opinions yet sure. and like trying to be exceptionally woke at the same time or like it's all Beetlejuice, 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 Mean Girls, Mean Girls, Mean Girls. Um, and then you sometimes get like crusty older people who are like well this is what it was written as and what the people want and then somewhere in the middle are the people who kind of see both sides of the divide and have actually well-formed opinions but that gets lost a lot in the shuffle somebody guess guess which section matt uh thinks he's in (laughs) in true fashion you're you're, you're like there's trash 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 and then these little angels that spread (laughs) joy and information i did not say that i said they got lost in the shuffle and that's why i think i'm one of them because i get lost in the shuffle every fucking day um somebody wrote when so they were still announcing the cast member for sarah and like some people saw the announcements like oh my god this cast is amazing i'm buying tickets immediately some people were like acknowledging that it was overwhelmingly white there were two actors of color in it um nicole uh renee daniels i think is her name yes yes nicole renee uh nikki renee daniels sorry nikki renee daniels yeah wait she she was martha washington not martha she was martha jefferson in the 1776 at encores uh She's been in a bunch of stuff. She's a very talented yes, woman. Yes, 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 yes. And then the actor playing Larry, Patty Lapone's husband, is also um, an African American actor. But everybody else has been white. Uh, and when they said, "Well, we're still waiting on the announcement of Sarah," somebody goes, "I really hope they get an uh, Asian or Latina actress for that role." And I know what they were trying to say, which was like, "Let's do our part to like continually diversify this cast and like bring out some representation that isn't there yet Mm -hmm. it sounded a little bit like a checklist scavenger hunt to me yeah and that is the other side of the coin when it comes to diversity on stage that i dislike which is diversity for the sake of diversity and you can't truly argue when it is or isn't that do you know what Mm. i mean um i find 
open-minded casting to be one of the greatest benefits we can have in the theater. And even if a role's not necessarily written for a person of color, like imagine uh, Donald Weber Jr. said this to me many years ago, and I've kept it to heart ever since. He's like, imagine like what a black Sid can do in pajama game, feeling like that outsider, like mm. the current of tension that can be in a production of pajama game without changing a single word, but just having that moment of casting. Yeah. Um, so it's colorblind casting in the sense that you're like, anyone can audition, but it's also color conscious in the sense that you think, okay, once I cast this role with this person, even though like they're exceptionally talented, once I cast an African American in this role or a Latina actress in this role or an Asian actor in this role, like what, how does that change the text? Cause it will. Cause yeah. the, what that person's experience is brought into that person's ex- life experience is brought into how they interpret that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there's great benefit to that. And sometimes there's n- kind of uncomfortable uh, tension to that. Like when you cast Joshua Henry as Billy Bigelow and Jesse Mueller as Julie Jordan, like mm-hmm. even if it's not your intention or the actor's intention, the audience still sits there and goes, we have a black man playing a white beater to a white woman. Like mm-hmm. that is not great. Um, and I think, this is a long-winded way of saying, John, that I wish that Marion Elliott, when she was casting this, was possibly a little more open to that kind of thinking, both in terms of the tension and the freedom at the same time. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I, again, I'm all for whoever's right for the role, go for it. And there are yeah. some people who were cast who was like, I have no doubt that like Jennifer Samard went in there and fucking crushed it. Yeah, same. And there, but there are those three or four people. We'll not say their names. Mm-hmm. We'll not say their names because no. I'm not, I'll say it to you when we finish recording, but there are three or four people. I saw their names and I went, were they? Yeah. I'm not convinced. And I look forward to them proving me wrong. Same. It's, not just, it, it's just interesting because if you're going to do a whole gender swap production of company and you're going to argue the fact of like, we're going to highlight the different takes of mm-hmm. these roles through these different specific lenses of swapped gender, why wouldn't you access the tools of a- another woman of color, mm-hmm. of another man of color, of, of, of you, know, you know, of... of uh, yeah, it, and also not just color, but also like different shapes as well. Yes, like it's, it's a very toned cast. And it I was is. Like, and I'm like, is. sure... And you know, New York City, everybody's trying to get Insta Hot, but it, they say it's they're trying that they're updating it for New York City today. Yeah, and New York City today is very different from New York City of 1970. It is more colorful. It is more uh, interesting and more di- it's more diverse in every way, in every way you can think of. And yeah. I wish that that cast represented that. I think it's a good representation of talent, not exactly uniqueness, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. This summer I got in a huge debate with a, a good friend of mine mm-hmm. um, about the Little Shop at Pasadena production. Okay. And they were very adamant about the fact that they think that they thought that it was um, it was ruining the musical. They, they thought that the fact that, that if we're going to have a musical with where everyone in it basically is the same kind of from the same demographic that that kills the um the commentary of like the 1950s white people who were just as destitute as you know it, the mm-hmm. un, the undercrust of white people and i i we got really heated because I just would not let him go because um, I don't often speak in abs- absolutes, but he was wrong. <laughs> you know, he was he was complete, he was completely one hundred percent 
false. I I, I think that because uh, his whole yeah his whole argument, if I'm remembering correctly, was that the show it, we have to see these people who are the underbelly of white society. They're on the cusp. They're uh, they are white, so they have that kind of going for them. <laughs> you know, they have that mm-hmm. kind of privilege off the bat, but they're poor. You know, sh- sh- um. Like Audrey, Audrey worked at the gutter. You know, she's she's a <laughs> the gutter, the in the gutter. Uh, it's a night spot. Um, you know, and and, and uh, uh, why can't I Seymour? Seymour is uh, you know, is, is an orphan and is this mm-hmm. and is scraping by, and then the urchins are the link to kind of you know highlight that. But he his argument was that it just doesn't work this way, and I and I just kept saying. No, what off the bat it already does, and actually, and I think we actually got in a big fight mm-hmm. <laughs> I, because I kind of called him out and said, "What you're saying is that any colorblind casting uh, at all goes against, yeah, y- 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 you know, you know, y- y- by holding those rules and saying you're going against what the authors originally intentioned, y- you're shutting out everyone who isn't white." Yeah. Let's look at the history of musical theater. Yeah. It's predominantly white stories. Predominantly. I mean, it's 99.9%. Well, and that was the other thing I wanted to say was that we also have to have more expansive stories talking about everyone. Yes. um, Which is, you know, slowly happening, but not nearly as quickly as I would like. Uh, I was going to say about the Little Shop thing. he is wrong. The only I thing, agree. Yeah, the only, the literally the only inch I will give him is that you. There are some comedic moments that get lost when Audrey and Seymour aren't white, just opposite the urchins. But like right. that, we're talking like five comedic moments right. in a show that's filled with them. Like I'm happy to lose them if it means casting someone amazing like MJ Rodriguez right. in that role. So like, no, I don't agree with that interpretation. I will say. You know that they're like you'll lose some bits. Like it's just the the interactions between Ellen Green and the three urchins. Yeah, there's an inherent comedy there of like the culture clashing, I suppose. Yeah. But that's but 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 again, when you cast someone different who is not Ellen Green, who is not white, like you can have. There's a whole world of possibility that comes exactly. from that. Exactly, you're opening up the show in a completely different way, and in, in a way that art is supposed to be opened up, yeah. especially especially performing art. If I wanted to go watch a bunch of, <laughs> if I <laughs> if I wanted to go watch a bunch of white people perform Little Shop of Horrors the way that it's always been done, I'd go see the off Broadway production that's happening right now that does not thrill me in any way i'm sure it's fantastic mm-hmm. but like okay yeah you, you, you know what i mean like, i mean like I, I i i'll see any little shop i I, w- I will i will too but like are you expecting the world to open up around you in a way of wow this little shop has really broken the mold no the pasadena playhouse was like we have people of color women playing uh, a role, a woman playing a role predominantly played by a man with Amber Riley. Riley yeah, um, we have a tra- we, we have, have a trans, trans woman yeah. Yeah, p- playing Audrey. It, 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 and like, to me, that is so exciting and so like there's no way that Little Shop has ever been done before, and it's going to capture parts of humanity that. It's it's the same with it's the same with me for like the, you know the, the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening mm-hmm. when. When they wrote that musical, do you think they thought, you know what? 
I hope some people who cannot hear this music can like perform it. No, but like Deaf West, which is an amazing company, was like, we're going to do this. And then created this amazing world of possibility and created one of the most moving pieces of theater I've ever seen. So I, yeah, I get, I guess I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, I, I know that it's that thing again, too, of like, Two white guy, two cisgender white guys talking about the need for more diversity in a living room in Queens. Sure, you know it, it's, that is it, who we it, are exactly. And so it's like, what is anyone really listening out there? But <laughs> are you? Oh, I mean, yes, we are two cisgendered white men, but we also, you know, this has been—I can't speak for you, but this has been my passion. What I've always you know, thought about since I had thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, and I wouldn't, I'm not one to like disregard other people's opinions. I'm more, I'm more of the like, argue me, convince me. I don't care who you are. Convince me. Like that's where I get excitement from, uh, from discourse. But uh, often it's just like, well, no, this is what it is. I'm like, it's art. There's no definable answer. All right. you can do is just show me what it, how it is you view it and then try to convince me otherwise. Right. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree with that. But I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, I've, I've had a lot of moments this year with like different posts about body positivity and all these kind of things. And it, who is anyone listening out there? Are, are these directors, casting directors, choreographers, writers. Oh, you mean like in the community, not like our listeners. Yeah, (laughs) because this segues beautifully into the six and a half hour play that I saw over the last two days Mm -hmm. called The Inheritance. Which I'll be seeing in two weeks. Yes. Um, Transferred over from the Old Vic, I think it was. I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, on the West End, um, written by Matthew Lopez. It is his take, his queerification of the novel um, Howard's ha- End, Howard's End, <laughs> excuse me, by um, oh my god, why can't I, why can't I think of his name? Morris? No, 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 no. Um, Morgan, Morgan something, who was a queer author, mm-hmm. um, and th- I think he he wrote this book in the early yeah he, he wrote about it like a hundred years ago or it was it, yeah early nineteen yeah. hundreds I believe. And so it's very interesting. It totally gives off a lot of the hours vibes Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, um, not, not that it ever goes back to that or like it stays pretty much within like the, the range, even though it does have a couple flashbacks from like the early eighties to modern day New York. So, Mm -hmm. you know, about what is that? Almost 40 years. Yeah. So the last almost 40 years. Um, it's interesting you say The Hours because Stephen Daldry, who directed The Inheritance, also directed the movie version of The Hours. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know that, but I see that 100% yeah. because the whole time I kept thinking of The Hours. Well, and, and I think he's a great choice for that because if you look at The Hours, like that's what it is. It's yeah. a retelling of Mrs. Dalloway and the Virginia Woolf story and, yeah. and, and this yes, and that. It's the origin of Mrs. Dalloway, the book, as well as uh, someone living out the life of Mrs. Dalloway and someone who has been affected by reading Mrs. Dalloway. So there's that yeah. there's that thread. And and that's that's a sort of the common thread in the inheritance. Okay. Everyone's read these books by these authors mm-hmm. and they're living those lives. Right. Um <clears throat> it also from what I understand, uh the reason there are a lot of 80s flashbacks is that it's part of it is also like commentary on uh modern young gay men and like their lack of understanding of the uh struggles that have 
led them to a lot of the freedoms they have today. And that's sort of what the inheritance has meant. Again, have not seen it, have not even read it. I've just, this is what has been relayed to me by a couple of people. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely a, a huge um, undercurrent of, of the whole show. It's, I mean, there are many, the, the show reminded me of a lot of different place it reminded me of angels in america which i mean even the things i was reading about this morning that's it's going to be compared to that right off the bat i mean because it's a, it's a two-parter because of its length because yeah. of its uh, material sure. um it also reminded me a lot of the history boys because there were a lot of moments that were extremely theatrical there were a lot of like kind of um perf- it, the thing that i didn't expect is that it's very performancey in the sense of um it feels very actor troopy where like people mm-hmm. are always watching and they'll like comment and ad lib like other actors on stage and like they, they kind of will like debate about you know they'll be like oh should we do this yeah yeah, yeah. let's do the uh, blah 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 let's do it this way or like oh yeah. no, no 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 try it try it again or like it, it's very performancey and and it works i mean i think that's how it keeps the energy up uh-huh. um but it felt very history boys in that too and there's a lot of um just downright debate about sure. you know are you familiar with history boys oh yeah i love history boys yeah and so in History Boys, there are a lot of scenes that are just moral, historical, um, ethical debates. And, mm-hmm. and this is very similar in that. And I, I found a lot of those interesting. I've been wrestling with it since I, I fi- since we saw the last part um, last night. And my initial reaction was disappointment. Okay. A lot of disappointment. Um, maybe my expectations were too high um maybe it's so hard in my mind to pull it away from angels in america because Mm -hmm. angels in america is so iconic and so perfect and this is really great it's not as good as angels in america no um nothing is yeah and um and so i walked away and we were talking about it and i was kind of venting my frustrations with it last night and i and i i thought you know i I really don't want to go and bash this very beautiful. I mean, I had moments of, 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 of I, I finally cried at the second part. There's this really, there's one female character and she comes almost in like the very last minute and she has this really moving monologue um, where she tells the story about not seeing her gay son after he moved, after he told her she was gay. And, right. and, to and, and, and say no more about it because again, I'm seeing it in, in two weeks and I don't want no spoilers, but yes. it's, it's not a spoiler, to be it, honest. John, it's all a spoiler. No, it, it's not because it's the liter- It's the most obvious. Th- it, it's it's emotional manipulation. Okay. It, it's a mother's speech about her dying son. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, it, 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 it's it's not a spoiler at all. Okay. It, it's it's the like mo- you know what's coming as soon as she's there. Yeah. I mean, literally, her role in the in the play is like is that. Yeah. Um, it's the ultimate princess track because she's not even in part one at all, right? No. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I credit that, but then I struggle with that because I, I'm like, is that actually a good aspect of the play? Is that good storytelling? Is it just emo- emotional manipulation? Kind of like how I felt with like Come From Away where I was like, of course I'm going to have an emotional response to this. It's 9-11. Yeah. You know, it, of course I'm going to have a response to a mother losing her son of, of AIDS because th- that's just, it, it's, it's it, you know, it, it is a part of it's, our, it's, yeah, it's a part of our history. It's Pavlovian for us as gay men to, to yes. hear those kind of things. Yes. Um, and so I, I really kind of like, it, I think it's hard to because it is an adaptation of these, of this novel that was about a, a family that was 
in the upper crust of society. And so it's upper crust gay men. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, too, is you just kind of, for me, it was hard for me to empathize with these people because um, their, their problems aren't their big their biggest problems are I sometimes feel morally bad about myself and 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 you know like I, I think it's important to ask those questions of yourself but I, I I was having disconnects with that um and I was having a lot of disconnects with the main characters and and I was watching them and I was like what is going on something feels so false so I did some research this morning oh three of the main leads uh three of the of the young male leads and I'd say arguably there's like four maybe five leads but there are three definite there there's one person that the story ends with and begins with um who kind of and and he he plays two main characters in 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 the show Mm -hmm. and then there's one who's kind of the main catalyst and his role really bothered me a lot too because I, I found it um I found it poor writing I sometimes I found it very poorly written sure in in the sense of um I counted, and this is not an exaggeration, at least six times throughout the show, someone says these exact words to the main character. Gosh, you are just so special and you don't even know it. Or something in the sense of, why can't you see just how special you are? But yet he does... Nothing no, that makes him special. It's, it's what I call the Rory Gilmore Gilmore effect. Of exactly. They, every character is telling us that Rory Gilmore is special and smart and different, and we never see. But we it. never see it. All we see is someone who looks like Alexis Bledel who reads books. Yeah, and and so so I had that issue, and so there's that main character, and then there's kind of this train wreck main character mm-hmm. who, um, you, you you know, kind of the falls into alcoholism, extreme drug use, depressed, suicidal gay man who. Uh, Oh, I don't want to spill this for you, but literally has some of the worst. There's a plot line about him not wanting to unpack a box of his childhood memories. And that's like his major plot line. And I was like, that's so fucking on the nose symbolism. It's like the author turned the page in the symbolism sure. how to book and was like, okay, where can I keep traumatic mem in a box? Mm. That that actually, speaking of BoJack Horseman, sounds like an episode of BoJack Horseman. But it would work on that because that would be coming off of four seasons of backstory, right? But that's that's the a case of good. Writing. Like literally, the first time this box is introduced, he's like, "I don't want to see that. That's my past. That's my trauma." It's oh like, "Oh my god, yeah." So 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 those issues aside, okay. Those three main characters. I did some research, and guess which three main characters are all played by straight men. Wait, what? Which three? Which three main characters are played by straight men? The one where the story begins and ends with him. Yep. Uh, the one with the box. Yep. And um, the special one. I'll just. Oh, I'll oh just the one who's like the one who's being constantly being told yeah. that he's special. Yeah. The the, the the three leads are all played by straight men. Okay. And so you know, we had this discourse with Angels in America sure, with yeah, we with uh, Andrew Garfield, and I actually liked Andrew Garfield's performance a lot. Yeah, there were a lot of. But, but I, I think maybe because going into it, <clears throat> I knew that he was straight. Also, <laughs> Pryor so- is a phenomenally written character. So exactly. at the end of the day, there's still that material. No, exactly. we said, I, I said with Pryor, a, a gay man doesn't have to play Pryor Walter, but you always can tell when a straight man plays him. Yeah. And, um, and so... It feels the same way with this. It feels exactly the same way. I, I The whole time, I, I just felt... Um, 
I felt like they were mimicking what they thought being gay was. And yeah, and, 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 and yeah, I don't think you have to be gay to play gay characters. But it really disappointed me. Yeah. It really, really disappointed me that this is supposed to be the next great gay play. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's straight people telling a story about uh, gay men. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, that, and that really, really bothers me. I, I don't know why it bothered me. Maybe... I mean, I guess I would have been bothered if originally, you know, Stephen Spinella, if he hadn't played prior, what would that, how would that have affected Mm -hmm. Angels in America? Yeah. Well, I mean, Tony Kushner, I mean, Angels in America had like the longest gestation period you can think of. Like, Mm -hmm. was it elephants that have like an 18 month pregnancy? Like, yeah. Like elephants pregnancies are like premature compared to what angels in america went through yeah um and steven spinella was like the thread in terms of uh prior like in a majority of productions but like tony kushner did have to like go do it in london and then he also had to like he saw it at nyu where like some straight guys did play prior Mm. and he was and by seeing men who did not have that pain and anger like inherently inside of them Mm -hmm. and seeing what they had to bring to the role he was able to sort of tweak the material so that way it would still be indestructible Mm. you know what i mean uh it sounds it sounds to me from what i understand with inheritance is that it's had a very charmed uh process in terms of productions and has never really had to go through that much difficulty in being put on Um, the biggest difficulty i understand they had was they did a workshop before it came to broadway for investors to like Mm -hmm. show them that it can be done and like why they need money um but like that's not that's not that's not even a speed bump. That is just you know a pause. Um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't even read it. I won't give judgment on it yet. But from some of the what you have said is in line with a lot of things that I've read, and I've I've been told a variety of things. Mm. I have had some men in my life, some gay men in my life, like tell me that it's the most incredible thing they've ever seen. Were they white cis or like cis? Yeah, but I've also but I also had women say the same thing to me as well. Uh, although, God, what was it? Um, speaking of the current little shop off Broadway, uh, every gay man I know has disliked Tammy Blanchard, and every woman that I know has loved her. Hmm. And I don't know what that's about. I'm not saying like that. That's what it has to be in order to like or dislike her. I just found that a very interesting pattern. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I've also had some white cisgendered gay friends of mine really dislike the inheritance and say that it's pure melodrama. And then some say like that, yes, it's melodrama, but it's well-crafted. And some, again, like, no, I, I mean, it, 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 there are moments of that are, that are beautifully well-crafted. Um, and it is melodrama without a doubt. And it does, it does a great job of finding mm-hmm. the humor. But the thing that I heard from a lot of people was that they felt it played it very safe in a lot of ways. Like for a show that is so large in its length and tries to tackle all these themes, it does it in a very safe and as you said, like manipulative approach. Yeah, I, I so I I despised the end of act uh, of part one. Okay, like actually, um, viscerally was like Ang- I wouldn't say angry, but it was just um, I I didn't get I didn't get from it what what I think they thought they were going to get from sure. it. And I'd be very intrigued to hear your thoughts on it because I think it I think it's a beautiful moment in a lot of ways. But at least the way that it was the night that we saw it, and I mean it is still in previews, maybe they're tweaking things. Um it was so excessive. Mm-hmm. It was so um 
it turned so precious. Ugh. Okay. And yeah, I I, I don't know. So I, I mean, I've just I've, I've been reading more things about storytelling and why we should tell different stories and how to um, craft a story that really does a great job of capturing humanity and um, and yeah, and and I feel like this is like um is it is like an aliens version of like <laughs> this is how you human this is how you gay human I, this is I, how you gay human yes this is how um, you gay human um we shall watch the yeah. straight men uh perform the dance of the gay homosexual mm-hmm. for uh our delight and uh we shall have catharsis at the end of act one when we s- rub your nose into aids <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like a little puppy. Like a little puppy. I will also say, I have found a lot of modern day writing for film and for theater. Not necessarily TV, but that's because TV has the benefit of uh, m- of more storytelling, if that makes sense. Because yeah. you're going many episodes. And edit and editing. And, you know, but yeah. I find that m- modern theater and movie writing characters are becoming less and less complex because audiences are more willing to tear them apart for being flawed if that makes sense. Yeah. But but and the re- but the reason why that is is that flawed characters in plays and movies, you know, you still have to either give them some kind of growth or you have to have some kind of attitude that shows us why we're still going to watch them if they're this flawed. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's the brilliance of Fleabag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Fleabag is a highly flawed human being. Highly flawed. But you also, like, see why we should be watching her. Like, why, mm-hmm. like what it is about her that makes her charming and enticing. And and all the, and you then find out all these terrible things she did, but you also see, like, where they were coming from. And, and it doesn't necessarily make you go what you did was okay so actually when uh we had charlotte malpy on and we say i used the royal we you were not there mm-hmm. but charlotte malpy was on and we talked about oklahoma and like the brilliance of some of the best rogers and hammerstein musicals is these complex characters where yes. you don't have to agree with what they're doing right rogers and hammerstein don't either but the brilliance of the writing is that you see what they're doing and you get why they did it mm-hmm. and it's you as an audience member going i see what you did you did a shit thing mm-hmm. um and i feel like modern day writing either is like puppets going like, see this person doing a shit thing? What do we think, audience? And the audience goes, no. Mm-hmm. Um, or it is uh, someone doing a shit thing, but like kind of so poorly trying to delve into it that the audience then gets confused into thinking, are we supposed to like this? Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to like this person? So that's that's my uh, uninformed opinion of the inheritance in terms of character writing. But like, I mean, the boys in the band. Is, have you still like? I, seen, I didn't. Okay, no. well, it's coming to Netflix this summer, so you're welcome. Thanks, although Ryan you can, Murphy. although you can, I think you can watch the original movie. Um, it's around. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recommend it, it because, like, speaking of like deeply flawed characters, boys in the band is very much that, and the boys in the band has wrongfully been accused in the past of being about um, uh, self-hating gays. Mm. And it's truly about one self-hating gay, and and then and his how his toxic energy affects the people around him. Yeah. Um, and that is I. But it, and the play is very aware of that, and even calls it out at the very end. Like at, you go through fucking hell and back in this play, mostly due to this one person, and then finally at the end he gets called out, and like that's very cathartic, and it makes you go, oh, the playwright's aware that this character is shit, and is not saying that all gay men are like this. It is 
this specific man at this specific moment in time in the gay yeah. life because it's also it's also important to remember that boys in the band came out a year before stonewall so yeah being a gay man in new york city was very different it's very different it changed radically like overnight yeah. um no so like the normal heart like the anger that comes out of the normal heart and you know the the brilliance of that play i don't know if you saw that one mm-hmm. okay oh, did you see the tv movie by any mm-hmm. chance i mean don't i read it like years ago yeah, don't see the tv movie because like speaking of straight men playing gay roles yeah. mark ruffalo is like the most comatose gay man i've ever seen right. fighting for aids it's like Jesus, but in the play on Broadway when it was Joe Mantello, you know, this character who's insufferable, but he's fighting for the right cause. Mm -hmm. So you're like, I love what you're doing, but you're going about it so terribly, I want to punch you. Yeah. Um, And same thing with Angels in America, these intelligent, passionate, ultimately on the right side of history, people who also like, can be shit. Like Lewis is on the right side of history. But he's a shit person. Right, he is a shit and person. And I love that. I just love shit like that. Like that. Yeah, no, no, that no, no. I, I totally love flawed characters, but this this definitely... Well, you are a flawed character. Well, duh. But this definitely did not feel like the flea bag kind of flawed character mm-hmm. where, where it's like, oh, okay, we see this person, we see what they're doing, but we also see their humanity and we also see them struggle with yeah. their flaws. This was not that. And I will just, I don't, I don't want to keep talking about it because honestly, it's just going to keep going around in circles with it. But I will say for one kind of final stab is that <clears throat> to make my point very clear mm-hmm. with these straight men playing gay roles, if they are the best actor, sure, great. One of them was intolerably awful. Okay. And he was, guess what he was? The sexiest. Yeah. He was naked the most showed full peen um there's been some peen this season yeah but listen i don't need it i don't need your peen i don't need your straight peen i've never needed your straight peen get i've never straight... needed your straight peen papa get your straight peen away from me and so that's john's and, Catherine hepburn by the way it is and so um and so yeah it just really after doing that research this morning and seeing that and realizing like wow um Fuck it all, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it just it, it was so it was so disappointing. Well, I, was so, I know what you so, mean so that so when you say like, is anybody listening? That yeah. you know, we talk about in the community being open and diversifying and creating all these stories, but then we cast straight hot guys yep. and call it a day. Yep. Um, yep. 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 Or you know, any like I Broadway still, and I hate using this term because I think it's been come so overused. But at the end of the day. Um, Broadway still is casting very hot people and it's not a crime to be attractive. Like it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame you, but I do think that that often takes precedent over anything else, over uniqueness, over talent, over uh, passion. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Although I will say the current cast of Linda Vista, Linda, Linda Vista, Linda Vista, uh, no, and there are attractive people in that cast as well, but like they are all very unique and very different and, yeah. and passionate. And that's something that I like. So there are cases of it, but it should not be, you know, the, um, ugh, what's the word I'm looking for? The exception. It should be the rule. Yeah. For that to be the case. Yeah, no, I agree. So John, we will talk about the inheritance again at some point. I apologize. Can't wait. I cannot, I, I'm going I, on a marathon I, day. I hope you enjoy it because I would like to talk to someone who did enjoy it just to see why. I'm sure well, I'm sure that I will enjoy pieces of it. And um, I did I did enjoy yeah. I did enjoy pieces of it. This is not me knocking as a whole. Really some beautiful work going on there, some beautiful performances. Mm-hmm. Um 
some really fun directions, some really... I'm also going on a Critics Day, so it's going to be frozen by then. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, my hope is to be behind Ben Brantley the entire time and to say I'm... opinions loudly enough that I get quoted in his review. I'm very intrigued to see what the critics are going to say about it. Um, yeah. um, well, because it, sometimes things that get... Uh, you know, revered in London come here and the American critics are not having it, especially yeah. pieces that are about America. Cause yes. England, I don't in the same way that we are Anglophiles, they are sort of like, uh, Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. American files. I don't know how you say it, but um, yeah. yeah, they, they, our world is so different to them that if, if even if it rings hollow to us, it will not to them and yeah. they will adore it. Um, and same, and like, and same thing over here. Um, yeah, like Kinky Boots famously ran twice as long here as it did over there. Yeah, because uh, we were like, oh yeah, sure, this is England, and they're like, kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll be very interested uh, to see it, and then I'll give you my take. Uh, also, Jack a little pill, and I'm also going to see Bright Room called Day at the end of the month. Speaking of Tony Kushner, Ooh, yeah, uh, for that. yeah. Anything else that's upcoming for you that you're seeing? No. No, John's not. John is I, re- not I really, really would like to see um, Slave play. That, that's next. Same. That is also on my agenda. I think I'm going to try and get a ticket for that next week. Uh, just house see. house managing has taken up all my goddamn time. Uh, although I get to meet Ed Asner tonight, mm. Emmy Award winner, star of Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore Show, Ed Asner, and wow. also on Dead to Me. He was the old guy that Linda Cardellini was friends with, who died. Oh. Yeah, he's got a one-man show called A Man and His Prostate, and I'm getting to meet him today. Yes, I've been writing that show for years. Yeah, hey. bitch. Yes. yes, that's The Inheritance yeah. Part 3. Oh, Inheritance. Yes. Gay stories. Gay stories, prostates. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this shit up because it's it hasn't been our longest taping session, but I think we're done here. I yeah, think I'm done. We're done. I'm finished with you. Um, who do I want us to play us out today? Uh, you know who we haven't had yet, and it's a crime we haven't? Sherry Renee Scott. <gasps> up the ladder to the room. Or we could do uh, Bring Me There's nothing I love more than a Mormon girl belting So please Mormon Mennonite Is it the same thing? Is she Mormon? Uh, Mennonite Is it the same thing? You say tomato I say tomato Um, you say tomato, I say the inheritance. Exactly. Um, all right. So yes, yeah, so you can find Let's John Miscavige on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always going to do this. Going to plug the oh, social yeah, media. So smart. Yeah, social media, Instagram, Twitter, John Miscavige. At John Miscavige, and you can find Matt Coplick at Sloppy Pig Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> RS. Uh, <laughs> Sloppy Pig Bottoms. RS. Uh, also, just Matt Coplick on Instagram. Don't come for us on Facebook. That's for friends and family. Uh, at least for me, I, I can't speak for John. Um, yeah, and then I'm I'm hoping to get a new a new gay review at some point. Please, some, somebody who loved the inheritance, write us a five star review and just come for John and drag him through the goddamn mud. I need it. He really does. I've he hasn't had an orgasm I've been too in weeks. Cocky this year. Um, uh, anyway, so okay. this, bye. <laughs> this has been this has been Broadway Breakdown. Here's Sharon A. Scott. Bye, Sherry. Bye. Pardon me if I fly off the handle. No place else on earth can hold a candle. So Benny V, D, V, C, folks, let's face it, juice we see, see, folks. Excuse me if I spout. I'm letting my chance go out. I'm sorry to shout, but here. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud 
with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 